is it? It's Clean Comedy Time! Welcome to the Clean Comedy Time podcast. I'm Aaron Sorrells. And I'm Brian Atkinson. Today our guest is Ryan Rowe. Ryan is a fresh-faced young comic who is originally from Philadelphia, and he makes his home today in beautiful Downingtown. It's a real place. I used to live right around the corner. Uh, Ryan is going to talk to us tonight about the good, the bad, and the funny. Uh, my name is Ryan. Like I said, I'm from Philly. Uh, I am a millennial, as you can probably tell by my face. <laughs> Or my liberal arts degree. Um, I, uh, actually, I, if anyone needs a ride after the show, I now drive Uber, so. No, uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I need a ride. Um, oh, man, that's fun. Uh, Ryan Rowe joined us at the show we did around Christmas time in Philadelphia about a year ago. Ryan, it's so great to have you on the show. Yes, Ryan. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Hey, guys. Hey, Brian. Hey, Aaron. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Yeah, no, it's uh, terrific. Uh, I, we work so much in uh, West Michigan. We don't get out of the house too often, especially anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was uh, visiting family in the Philadelphia area, and I, I should I should put a, produce a show. And so we did a, a clean comedy show out there. Uh, had you and our uh, previous guest, Leslie Battle, was on the show, and an upcoming guest, Dwayne Brake, was also on there. So uh, we'll get to hear from him uh, probably in a couple couple episodes. Yeah, that was a really fun show. I really enjoyed it. Good, good. I always like to hear that, especially if I'm producing. <laughs> like, I hope you guys had fun. I liked it. <laughs> I remember at one point during the show, I think it was when you were performing, I had come backstage oh. uh, to wait until you were done so I could go on and close the show. And But I was laughing so hard that everyone could hear me from behind the curtain. <laughs> and eventually you just you just went behind the curtain like during your set to just to say thanks. Okay. Yeah. And then you came back out. Well, thanks, man. <laughs> that's, that's good. When you got that, the comics cracking up backstage. That's, that's where it's at. That's yeah, yeah man. That's a good day. Uh, yeah, I, um, it was, it was a lot of Christmas material and I like doing holiday stuff. So that worked well for me. I had a lot of good friends in the audience and uh, family members who had, you know, never seen me uh, do stand up. So it was uh, it was a really great opportunity. And uh, just, you know, for those of you out there who are thinking about producing uh, comedy shows and wondering, hush, where do you where do you find uh, people to come on a show? What you do is you make a Facebook post on uh, one of the groups out there, ask people to send them uh, links to your, their videos and you just kind of see who's funny. And then you bring on the people who are funny and <clears throat> promise to do clean material. <laughs> that's, that's, mm-hmm. Boy, yeah. you're just giving away all our secrets there. Brian. I know, this... right? <laughs> and uh, Ryan, you were, I remember watching your videos for the first time and, um, and we will make sure that we uh, give some links to those later. But uh, I thought you were hilarious. Uh, you did a family feud thing with, um, you have siblings. Is that right? Is that how that was? Yeah, I have uh, three siblings, two older brothers and one younger sister. And so uh, I guess that was 2019. It was actually for my senior project in school. I (laughs) produced and performed a full hour special in Philly. 
and I closed the show. The whole show was sort of about my relationship with my siblings yeah, uh, and how each one was so different, uh, my relationship with them. And so I closed the show by doing uh, this thing where I pulled out a big board that was like the board in Family Feud. Oh, sure. Where the, how many votes or how many people surveyed kind of thing. Exactly. And what I had done was I pranked my siblings by telling them each that I, you know, I knew a producer at Family Feud and that they were going to give us an audition to be on it. <laughs> and so I had my friend Sean uh, call each of my siblings and just and play a round of fast money. Oh, and the whole thing is, is like fast money. You have you I think you have 25 seconds to answer no 20 seconds to answer five random questions rapid fire so you don't have time to really think or filter your answers so a question could be like uh what's something you have too much of and they'll be like a drinking problem it's like whoa (laughs) (laughs) so I gave my friend Sean a bunch of random and weird questions to ask my siblings and they all performed perfectly like they gave very i wouldn't even say their answers were weird but they were just perfect as uh, there were perfect setups for jokes about them they were very telling of who they were and so yeah it was the perfect way to end that hour special and i had so much fun with it oh gosh that does sound like fun i i just remember it being such a, a great uh part of to have a set of videos and you did some other stuff too. Um, but would you say that you work a lot with family material from things that have happened in your life with your, uh, brothers and sister or where else do you get your material? I hate to use that expression. Where do you get your material, but it's, how do you develop it? How do you write? Yeah. I mean, like when you, when you have a big family, especially if you're a younger sibling, I think it's it's nearly impossible for you not to have like funny weird things to say about your family members because as a younger sibling especially you're really much more of an observer than an actual part of that family so oh, yeah. I think you know I just I get to watch everyone make mistakes and then I get to go on stage and talk about them and <laughs> So that I mean, yeah, for that show specifically, I just spent the whole time roasting them, essentially. <laughs> well, uh, but also like talking about my own um, screw ups and stories and things. But yeah. I think I get a lot of my material. A lot of my material is just story based. I realize that I have a lot of I have a lot of really funny stories, and I think most people have a lot of really funny stories. They just don't realize it because a lot of people think, well, you know, I haven't had like crazy experiences, you know, nothing totally insane has happened. Like I I haven't (laughs) stolen an ice cream truck and run into Al Roker on the way. And who do you know that's never done that? Okay, (laughs) I shouldn't have used that example. I should have used a a more unique (laughs) example, but I did drive an ice cream truck, a good humor truck for a summer. (laughs) Uh, And uh, I made a a lot of little piles of money uh, because it was all cash. And, and they, 
you know, you pull over on the side of the road and they tell you what they want and you reach into the freezer and get it for them and they give you money and then you take the money home. It's, it's not a complicated <laughs> process. Well, you're just laying out all the processes here. Wow. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. So to do a show, you listen to, yeah. you find listen funny people you. and then you cast them yeah. to yeah. run an ice cream truck. You pull over and collect the money. <laughs> yeah. You got it. Yeah. No, that's, that's pretty peasy. much it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I think everyone, like my stories, I think they're not, they're not crazy. They're not insane, but it's all about how you tell them. It's all about your perspective. What's going on in your head when these things are happening? That that's what makes it really funny. That's what makes it relatable. I, uh, I do do a lot of traveling, though. Uh, I just got back from Minnesota. Uh, one thing I learned about Minnesota, they really like the sport of curling. Are you guys aware of curling? Basically, you take a large rock and you slide it down a long sheet of ice. And if you land it right on the bullseye, you're still not an athlete. <laughs> A Russian curler got caught using steroids. <laughs> and we as a curling community all ask, why? <laughs> like, there's no strength involved in that whatsoever. Like, using steroids in curling is just as effective as using Diet Dr. Pepper in curling. True story, I, right? My favorite part <laughs> yeah. of that clip, though, is the uh, the applause that curling got. Like yeah. some of those folks are are big time into curling, from the sounds of it. <laughs> I know well, every show that I've done, <laughs> I've said, "You guys know what curling is," and they all just lose their minds. Yeah. And I and it's only because they they vaguely know of it. Yeah, <laughs> these people they don't care about curling. They aren't you know fans. There was a a couple of people in the audience that night who have gotten into like a couple of years before this show got into curling, were taking lessons, you know, beyond the process that you just laid out there. Yeah. <laughs> Take a rock and slide it on the ice. <laughs> so so their actual, or there actually was curling fans in the audience, huh? Uh, curl competitive curling league members in the audience that <laughs> night. So wow. you had a, a smattering wow. of applause from them until you told them they weren't athletes. And <laughs> I heard how the went from that side of the room. The other side of the room thought it was hilarious. So you were, I regret you absolutely nothing audience that way. <laughs> well, it, it's, it sounds like yeah. you made it out of there unscathed. So they must not have been too yeah. offended. Yeah. I, I think any other athlete, I would be afraid you know, of them physically, <laughs> but curlers, I think I'm pretty sure I could handle them. So you're, the you're Russian guy who did down. steroids. <laughs> you're doubling down on this, huh? So <laughs> Yeah. But that is a true story. The Russian curler, uh yep. it was so I the reason I, I know all about curling is I was a volunteer at the twenty eighteen Winter Olympics. Get out of so town. I spent yeah, I did. So I spent three weeks working at the curling center in Pyeongchang, South Korea. So I, I watched curling every day for three weeks. And I think that explains. Uh, you meet some interesting people, though, in the curling community. Like, uh, I met a guy named Matt. Matt has a gold medal in curling. And he is an Xfinity technician in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. 
<laughs> the same guy that has a gold medal is also the guy that shows up to your house randomly between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m., <laughs> plugs in your cable box, and mansplains the remote to you. <laughs> the life of a gold medalist. Well, like, can you imagine the icebreaker that guy has when he's at home? He's like, so uh, your current cable package includes uh, Stars Channel, Showtime, and uh, oh, the Olympic Channel. <laughs> you ever been to the Olympics? No? Oh, you're missing out. It's hard, though, you know, seeing so many people lose. It's really... Oh, sorry. I totally forgot I was wearing my gold medal. <laughs> what sport is it in? Uh, kind of like a chess on ice kind of thing. It uh, requires a lot of strategy and accuracy. Is it curling? Yeah, it's curling. <laughs> uh, there is something about the pauses through that uh, bit there that is just so, well, it's gold. Let's just say it's gold and leave Aww, it. Oh, thanks. Yeah. There it is. Although, <laughs> the simple fact that your uh, gold medal curling uh, a winner had an icebreaker I just giggle about that every time I hear. <laughs> yeah, I know. I I'm tempted to say, no pun intended, but, but you would be lying. I I, yeah, I would be. I would be absolutely lying. But yeah, that's, I think I, the only option you have is you know. Did you guys see what I did there? Yeah, really... <laughs> just pat myself on the back a little there. Yeah, just a little little humble brag. I made a pun. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, now, Ryan, you've certainly observed curling. You've been to the Olympics. Uh, have you been curling? Have you ever done it yourself? Yes. Uh, <laughs> when I find out, when I found out I was doing, well, well, so I applied like a year and a half in advance to volunteer for the Olympics. And then they ask you in the application, like, is there a certain sport or in a certain arena that you want to work in? And I was like, I'll do anything. So they just yeah. gave me curling. There you go. Because no one wanted to do curling. <laughs> so I found there's like a Bucks County uh, curling club. Okay. So just, I just, I uh, did just like a north of Philadelphia for those of you who aren't familiar with the geography. Yeah. There's just <clears throat> this, this random warehouse yeah. in Bucks County where a bunch of curlers come and they, <laughs> they curl and as curlers do. And yeah, I came for a, like a day lesson. And so I, I got to learn the rules and I learned sort of the strategy behind it. And I could, I could really go into it. Like I, by the end of the Olympics, uh, I feel like I have enough knowledge and appreciation for it that, me being at the gold medal match where the U.S. won the men's curling yeah. event, that was like being at the Super Bowl. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that, that was just as exciting oh. as watching the Eagles win the Super Bowl for me. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Well, uh, you know, and I, I think you need that. If if you're going to poke yeah. fun at something, uh, it it always comes across as humorous when you've got a genuine appreciation for that. When we can feel the love, and I'm already feeling it. Uh, but I got to ask: Are there any special terms, or um, like I understand in curling, there's so you've got the rock, the 
brushes and then the people who operate the brushes and the person who throws the rock that's the team right but i, I know they they've got to have names and so there's got to be like more than is it is it really just called the rock i i think they call it the stone oh i'm sorry it's a little yeah. more fancy yeah all right stone but... <laughs> I'm this down. i don't want to mess up yeah th- i mean there's i i forget all of the crowing terms, but you're right. It's like a, it's kind of like a cult thing where they have like tons of different pretentious names for things that like, and they kind of scoff at you that you don't know, mm. you know, what a, mm. what a, a bond spiel or a, <laughs> you know, a counterattack move is oh. or, or anything like that. Cool. A hammer. Uh-huh. So, Wow. I mean, but I still had fun. I had a lot of fun. Good. Good. At both, now, you know, at Bucks County and at the Olympics. Oh, yeah. Well, the Olympics for sure. Bucks County, what's not to love? Uh, now, Ryan, when we were talking earlier, uh, it came out of our, our little conversation that uh, you were not only in the Boy Scouts, but you achieved the level of is it a rank? Is it of Eagle Scout? What's the appropriate term for that? Congratulations. I think on that, the appropriate term is uh, Supreme Commander Eagle Scout. <laughs> <laughs> That's the official rank. Wow. It's it's a rank of Supreme Commander Eagle Scout. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, genuinely, Aaron said congratulations. And definitely, it's, it's nothing to uh, scoff at or make fun of. We, we wouldn't dream of it. And um, yeah, but we're you know, it. It's a pretty cool thing. You get to know a few government secrets that no one else gets to know. Um, so that, you know, that's no. just a perk. Yeah. Uh, and you were telling us that there's a certain percentage of how how many Boy Scouts become Eagle Scouts. So the statistic is that 2% of Boy Scouts earn the rank of Eagle Scout. However, hmm. almost everyone that I've met that's a scout has earned their Eagle Scout. So it's like when they calculate that, they add in all of those kids that went to Boy Scouts for like two weeks because their dad forced them to, and then they stopped. So like anyone who even like just slightly breathes the word Boy Scout, they're like, oh, he's a Boy Scout, but he's not an Eagle Scout, so we can count him, right? Right. Well, do they count the Cub Scouts? Uh, I mean, I'm not in the accounting department of BSA, but probably not. I I ask, uh, because I got kicked out of the Cub Scouts (laughs) after a couple of months. Um, We were making Advent candles where you were dipping wicks in wax, and I figured out I could get my whole hand in there (laughs) with the string on it and make a hand-shaped candle. And the den mother realized this was going on and sent me home and told me not to come back. Now, see, uh, there's there's some low hanging uh, joke fruit about getting kicked out of Cub Scouts, but that sounds like a genuine story. And Brian, I also got kicked out of the Cub Scouts for a legitimate reason. I was riding up and down in an elevator that was off limits, and <laughs> boom, I was done. So trespassing, <laughs> right, right, yeah. Basically, I was uh, I was trespassing. <laughs> wow but you were like kicked out 
like for yeah, good. Yeah, I was I was banned from the Cub Scouts for riding this elevator. It was a big yeah. deal, apparently. They did not want people on that elevator. Wow. Like, and, how dare this five-year-old act like a five-year-old? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I was, Is there like yeah. a ceremony? Yeah, you had to like burn your uniform. Deflagging there, I had to stand in front of it, <laughs> and everybody tore one patch off. <laughs> it's humiliating. Jeez, that's yeah. harsh. Yeah, yeah, so harsh. You want to hear a crazy story about being an Eagle Scout, though? Certainly. Yes, please. So, uh, when I earned my Eagle Scout, I was like 17, 16, 17 years old, and. Uh, when you earn your Eagle, Eagle Scout, you get to have uh, a ceremony where all the other scouts come and there's some speeches and you get to have a cookie cake at the end and they give you your Eagle Scout in front of everyone and we just hold it in a small church and you also get to invite all of your family and friends. But you know, when you're that age and you're a Boy Scout, it's not the kind of thing that you feel totally comfortable uh, inviting your your acquaintances to it, it's like I only plan on inviting like my my closest three friends. Those are sure. the only people I trusted enough to not make fun of me for being a Boy Scout or an Eagle Scout or whatever. But uh, so as I was writing out these invitations, you know, I've kind of felt like like oh that sucks that you know I can't invite everyone. And just, you know, out of boredom, I started writing these uh, Eagle Scout invitations to people that I had no intention of actually inviting. People like the, the you know, the popular kids in my school, uh, all the girls that I liked, just, you know, anyone that I, I really wished that I could brag to about sure. my Eagle Scout. And I really just like laid it all out like my feelings for them, whether I hated them or loved them or whatever in these letters, it was just, it was kind of like a catharsis letter. That's what, yeah. it was. you know, like, I don't know. I feel like every, everyone's sort of done that in some way. Like you write a letter with no intention of actually sending it. Sure. But so I left all that stuff in my room. I differentiated the ones I was going to send with the ones I wasn't going to send by sealing and, putting the addresses and stamping the ones I was going to send and the other ones I just left there in a pile. This so, seems like a decent move. Nobody's going to confuse that. I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So the next day I go to school and in the middle of English class, I get a text from my dad and it says, Hey Ryan, I found your letters in your room and I put the stamped ones in the mailbox and the ones that uh, weren't stamped, I found their addresses in the school directory, and I took them to the post office to be stamped and sent. Wow. <laughs> okay. Way to go, Dad. <laughs> what, what an engaged father. What, right? what an awesome must, thing there. Must be so thankful to have a father like that. Oh, I wanted to throw up everywhere. <laughs> like the people that... I had now sent those letters to were like in my classroom, like the girl that I liked that I was right in front of me. 
<laughs> and I, the only thing worse than having the people you both hate and are in love with know everything you think about them is knowing that they're going to find out in five to seven business days. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, only a few of them actually like came up to me afterwards and talked to me about them. And even they were like pretty cool about it. Like, it was very surprising. No one, no one was, was very uncool about it. And a few of them actually came. What? Yeah, uh, that's great. What a happy <laughs> ending. Yeah, I know. Is, yeah, that could have ended so much worse. Well, the time has come on our little podcast to take a break, but we'll be right back. Be sure to give us a review on Apple Podcasts so it's easier for people to find us and like us on all your podcast favorites. We'll be right back. This pandemic has shown that nobody knows what tomorrow will bring. It's changed comedy. We miss performing in person. We're looking forward to laughing together again just as soon as it is safe and appropriate to do so. So what are we doing about that? Well, we are booking live shows for future dates. And while we ramp up, we're waiving deposits and cancellation fees. So contact us today to bring clean comedy time to your local comedy club, church, corporate event, or fundraiser. Whatever you got, we can be there. We are easy to find at cleancomedytime.com. Until then, stay home, stay safe. Wear a mask and wash your hands. Well, welcome back to the podcast. And Ryan, thank you so much for sharing in that first half uh, some of those stories about uh, about making Eagle Scout and, and uh, your comedy process and the experiences of being on that show with Brian. Uh, in this part of the podcast, I always like to ask folks, uh, what's going well? Is it okay if I start off with what's not going well? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Everybody's got their favorite part. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Certainly. What's, uh, uh, what's a struggle, Ryan? Like back in March, I was, I was working three different jobs. I was working as a, a producer at a comedy club in Philly and that was going really well. And I was working for my church as a mentor to college students. And I was working for the Flyers as well. And it was like, so all three of those jobs, I got furloughed um, because of the pandemic. And well, so and that's can, all can to I just stop you right there for just a second. Because yeah, sure. there's a lot, there's a lot in what you just said there. I mean, you just described three dream jobs. You just described working with people breathing into their lives through your church. You described working for the Philadelphia Flyers, you know, um, and, and then producing comedy shows. I mean, that's, those are three jobs that I'm sure you were just ecstatic to have those opportunities. And then you end up furloughed. Yeah. You know, because each one of them was dealing with live events you know, with um, church and, and meeting up with students or with the comedy club, obviously having live shows and with the flyers once the, the NHL got postponed. So uh, all three of those, you know, I, I, I couldn't work there anymore. And you're right. It, it was really disappointing because I really liked all three of those jobs. And another thing I was working on was 
I was planning and organizing a nationwide comedy tour for the summer of 2020. I was going to do uh, 26 cities over the summer, and it was going to be this big tour uh, sponsored by the uh, Boys and Girls Clubs of America, and we'd be raising money for each of the clubs in each of these cities. And so, uh, you know, it was all really, uh, it felt like things are really rolling, you know, for me. And then all of a sudden, that's all gone. You know, all of a sudden, I was working three jobs and uh, my schedule was completely filled. And now I have nothing to do. And now I had this exciting tour that I was really gung-ho about. And, the you know, now that's all canceled. And it was like, uh, I feel like this whole... Uh, year since then has been a very humbling time where I really just had to appreciate the little things like uh, just being healthy, having my family around. I, I moved away from Philly back in with my family and, you know, I, I get that I'm, I'm still very young and I'm very appreciative that uh, I'm I'm still flexible, you know. I, I don't have a lot of responsibilities. I don't have a family that I I need to take care of, you know. There's, I have a lot of flexibility with my schedule and with things I'm pursuing, but I just think, yeah, definitely this this year has been a humbling time where I've really had to just be patient and trust God and not not count myself out on things. So I guess that's what's going good right now is just um, appreciating what I have. I, I'm working part-time jobs now and just sort of seeing where my career can, can go from here. Man, Ryan, uh, did I hear you earlier in the podcast say that in 2019 uh, you were going through your senior year in high school? Senior year in, in college. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Um, He's never met you, so he, he doesn't <laughs> imagine the, the strapping lad that would appear before him. There's no way you'd be a high school student. You don't want that. Well, I don't know. Maybe. Uh. Well, <laughs> let me say, to be going through a senior year in college in 2019, and now here it is, you know, a year and a half or two years later, and you to be able to say those three words and and the fact that that you've learned uh, so much through this time is it's just incredible. I mean, you, you said that you can appreciate the little things. You said that you've gone through a humbling stage and then you said that you, you're trusting God. I mean, man, when I hear you say those things, it sounds like you have a maturity and a wisdom that's well beyond your years. I, I commend you for that, man. It sounds like, it sounds like you have taken a situation that is, that could have been wildly destructive for you. And it just became disruptive instead of destructive. It became disruptive and, and you just had to change course a little bit, but still are able to appreciate things, still able to recognize the value of being humbled and the opportunities to trust God, man. I commend you for that. Yeah, thank you, Aaron. I, I appreciate that. And yeah, I, I I don't regret anything, or and I don't, you know, I, I've just learned to accept 
like everyone has during this time, just uh, accept, you know, what's our, our situation and, and try to move forward. You know, I, so after I got furloughed from those jobs, I moved back home, I worked for a little bit, and then I thought, you know, I'm just going to go to L.A. My brother lives there in L.A. now, so I thought I'll just go out there, I'll live with him, and then, you know, in a few months, this will be over, and then I can really get back into comedy. I'll be, um, you know, I'll be in Hollywood. I can really try to make a name for myself as a comedian there, and that's where we'll pick up where we left off. And then I was there and I was there for like six months and nothing, nothing opened. No, no comedy shows were happening. You know, I was tired of doing open mic shows for four people on a park bench in Griffith Park. So I ended up moving back to PA. And I think it's, it's just, it, it feels like one sort of failure after another. But then I have to think that, I mean, they're not, they're not failures. They're, and they're not even setbacks. They're just, they're obstacles that you have to get over. And I really like this quote that I heard. Uh, I think it's Winston Churchill where he said, success is the ability to move from failure to failure without any loss of enthusiasm. Yeah, I like that again. And hearing you talk about that, I, I it sounds like you're moving from situation to situation. And, and again, I mean, uh, how old are you? I'm 25. 25. You have, you have faced some incredible hurdles in a very short time. Yeah, it's interesting. It's definitely an interesting situation where you're just like trying to start a career and then something like this happens where you have to make a, a big pivot. And me and all my friends have really had to go through that. Um, you know, it's it's a very unique situation being a young person in the workforce during this big shift in how we work, how we work, how we earn money, how we, you know, make a career for ourselves. Yeah, I, I'm in a different phase in my life, but I can tell you I've had to pivot a number of times. And in uh, that that mindset that you have towards it, um, you know, that's that's a good mindset. That's a healthy mindset. That's something that that will bring you through and, and you'll end up stronger for these trials. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing I have to be able to tell myself. In, and just keep reminding myself is like, this is not, uh, I'm, I'm making the best of this. And, you know, I will come out of the other side of this stronger. Being able to keep that mindset, what do you attribute that to? Why, how are you able to do that? Uh, you know, I, I think there have just been a, a number of times in my life where I've been disappointed or I've tried something that, uh, and I tried really hard at something and it completely failed. I think that's something that is, it's, it's not unique to comedians, but it is something that every comedian will experience guaranteed is just a, a feeling of failure, even though you're not really failing, but it, you know, you try a lot of things 
that not many people are trying and it's because it's so it's such a foreign thing and it's such an abnormal thing to get on stage and try to make people laugh that you go through a lot of feelings of failure and if you stick with it then you know you're able to come out on the other side feeling confident and feeling like this is this is fun and you're enjoying it but you know, I think throughout my life, I've had a lot of uh, opportunities to to quit on something or to just really allow myself to feel like like a failure. And it's like you can either do that or you can do your very best to just brush it off and and keep moving forward like that quote without any loss of enthusiasm. Well, thank you for sharing that. I got started in comedy because I felt like it was a way to sort of earn my voice. See, growing up, I had severe Tourette syndrome. Right now, it's I've through medicine and through physical therapy, I've definitely dialed it back a lot. Like I don't really have any vocal tics anymore, but the physical tics are still sort of there. But like when I was younger, I had very severe Tourette's. Um, luckily I, I didn't have any of the symptoms where I was, um, cursing or anything like that. That's a very rare, um, fraction of people with Tourette's, but you know, I, I just, my whole childhood growing up, I, I really felt like, man, I don't have a voice. I it's, it's really best if I just stay away from others and comedy felt like, like after watching, all these comedians that I loved and admired and seeing how confident they were and, and how they were just like indestructible up on stage. Like nothing could hurt them. I just felt like that's what I want. And, I, and I'm willing to go through failures and, and all the, all the feelings of embarrassment to just so I can feel like I have a voice again. Oh, you know, you said something there. There's a common phrase in, in amongst comedians, of course, that, you know, talks about finding your voice, you know, finding your comedic voice. But you just said something that I've never heard before. And, and it's really profound. You said to earn my voice. If I heard you correctly, is that what you said? Yeah, it, it felt like it was something I had to earn. Wow, that that's, uh, that's incredible. And, and to you know, push that rock up the hill and face certain failure. And, and you talked about it and it's not, it's not exclusive to comedians, but it's universal amongst comedians. We all are guaranteed failure on stage. There are no comedians that don't, that have never bombed, you know, it's, we will fail up there. Uh, but to go through that and push through that and earn your voice, that's, that's a really interesting um, concept. That's, yeah, most comics use the phrase, I found my voice. I have to find my voice. I figure it out, that kind of thing. But the using the term earn changes the dynamic of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and on that point of earning your voice, though, uh, I just want to reassure you that you are justified in sharing your voice. You are, you have a perspective uh, you have experiences, you have been a part of stories that are worthy of being being shared. So I, I commend you 
for pushing that rock up the hill. I commend you for facing failure. I commend you for uh, going through challenges and, and having complete upset in the industry that you're going after and still feeling like you can continue on. Well, thanks, Aaron. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that. Well, you got into it a little bit there as far as some of the things that you're struggling with, and it very quickly translated into things that are going well, and I'm so glad to hear that. Uh, what's what's something that you'd say you're struggling with right now? Uh, I think it's, uh, it's something I'm struggling with is just trying to find a new career path, I think. Like, uh, I I think I've sort of come to, I've I've made peace with the idea that like, you know, a while ago I thought for sure I'm, I'm going to try to be a, a career comedian. That's, that's all I want to do. And now it's like, I, I feel like God is, he, he's moved me away from that. And after such a long time and that being my expectation, I've, it, it's a tough thing to let go of that idea that this is what I'm going to do as my career, this is what I'm, I'm going to make, you know, my, the, the main thing in, in my life. And so now it's, it's all about just trying to find something new to pursue. Now I'm, you know, I'm studying for, to take the LSATs to maybe go to law school. I'm uh, applying to apprenticeships, fellowships, anything to just sort of help me find out what's what's my next step and and that's a it, it just requires a lot of patience and a lot of just willingness to you know to to explore uncharted territory at least for me i i've found in my own position when searching for purpose when searching for career direction um that there there's an important financial piece uh, to it. And I've found that um, there's pieces of my financial puzzle that I can control, like expenditures. And there's people, there's parts of it that I can't always control, like, um, like income. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. And it sounds like you've made some very big adjustments on the side of things that you can control. It sounds like you're living back with your parents. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and how, how are you doing? Are you in a spot where, where you can, where you can explore a bit and, and find the next thing? Or are you in a spot where there's not going to be a sandwich on your plate in, in two weeks, if you don't find something? You know, I, I am very fortunate that you know, I was able to move back home and, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, making enough money doing part-time work that yeah I'm I'm not really struggling for money right now but um you know I I can't live here forever and and you know I I don't want to live with my parents I I want to be able to go out and and do my own thing and be independent and have my own place and you know be able, be able to pay for my own stuff and and you know, yeah, just uh, live as as an independent adult. But I'm I'm very fortunate to have my parents here, and it's just like I also have to 
kind of get over that sort of embarrassment of like it's it's the cliche of like oh like you're you graduate college and then you just move back in with your parents or you know you're I'll be in next year I'll be in my I'll be 26 and you know likely still living here and it's like I just have to I just have to get over that that disappointment in myself or anything like that like I, I know this won't be forever you said it earlier when you talked about a humbling experience and recognizing the value of that yeah it's very tough I've never met you face to face, but I can hear it in your voice. I can hear it in the stories that you can tell. The things that you've experienced already, man, you are a survivor. You're full of passion. The person that looks back at you in that mirror is worthy. Thank you, Aaron. I appreciate that, man. And that, that that's so encouraging. And yeah, you're right. It's like, uh, my good friend, Al Smith, he's, uh, been sort of my mentor in being a Christian comedian. He told me once, and it was such a, like a, a profound yet simple thing of just like, especially when you're thinking about like, what's my, what's my purpose in this life? Your occupation is not your purpose. Your occupation has nothing to do with your, you know, your, the reason God puts you on this earth. And I think, yeah, it's, it's embarrassing when things like this happen. And, uh, I think back to when I had those three jobs and when I had the, the, uh, tour to look forward to. And, you know, when I was in college and I had internships and all these things and things were going great. And I think how, you know, I thought so highly of myself back then. And I, I thought, I thought back to like, you know, the, I was living in Philly and I thought back to the kids I grew up with who, you know, were still in, uh, you know, my small town outside of Philly. And, and I just thought like, oh man, I'm so much better than them. I'm so much farther along in my career or whatever. And then when all that is taken away, it's like you get a real sober picture of just, how prideful you used to, uh, how prideful you were and Man, amen brother that's you know you know and that's actually you know the benefit of going through trying times that is yeah. the benefit and the blessing behind getting knocked to your knees from time to time is it changes your perspective and there's wonderful blessings that can be found there's incredible insights there's incredible growth and maturity that comes from getting our teeth kicked in from time to time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, every, everyone, everyone sort of needs something like that. You know, I'm, I, I know that all these things that are happening to me, you know, God's got a, a purpose in it, whether it's just to humble me and keep me from becoming you know, some prideful, some just a super prideful person who doesn't know how to appreciate anything and who, you know, just throws myself into my work until I, until I get burnt out and disappointed at everything I do. You know, if, if all of this just prevents 
me from becoming something like that, then maybe this was all worth it. Maybe this was something I'll eventually look back on and think, wow, I'm, that was turned out to be a huge blessing. Yeah. Well, I, I want to just leave you with two things. One, again, you're, you will find opportunities to uh, contribute. You will find opportunities to add value. You will find opportunities. That's, there's no question. You can look back through, through your uh, experiences and see some of these incredible things that have come out before you. You'll have more incredible things. So you will find opportunities. Um, and then the other thing that I wanted to say is when you talk about purpose, Purpose comes from little things that we find on a day-by-day basis. You know, Mm -hmm. purpose isn't, I'm going to work real hard for five years and then be a comedian. Purpose is, I'm going to cross paths with somebody at the grocery store and and make them smile. You know, purpose is short-term, immediate things. That oftentimes will translate into career or opportunities to earn or opportunities to share, you know, but, but purpose, you know, there, there is no circumstance, there is no situation that we don't have the, the opportunity to express our purpose. You know, purpose is an immediate thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I hope so. Cause I literally just like thought of that while we were talking. So <laughs> <laughs> no, no advice is, is better than when it's improvised. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Good job, Aaron. Uh, hey Ryan. So now uh, I got to ask, so as you're going through this reevaluation process and things like that, are there, is it um, a website? Is it social media? Is or is it something different that you'd want to point people to uh, if people wanted to get a hold of you, if they wanted to find out more about Ryan Rowe or hire you to do comedy or something else? What, what can we point people to for you? If you would like to uh, find out more about me or watch uh, some of my comedy, you can go to RyanRoweIsFunny.com. That's Ryan, R-O-E, Rowe, is funny. Dot com, uh, or you can just look me up on YouTube, um, type in Ryan Rowe Comedy, or uh, you can watch my hour-long special, Ryan Rowe Brotherly Love. That's on there. You can check that out. Or you can find me on Instagram at ryanrowe.pdf and Facebook. And, and Facebook and, and uh, the, the Twitters or any of the other things that uh get going there the, the twitters I'm not a, the twitters i'm the, not on twitters Twitter, but okay. everything else ryan so wonderful to um meet up with you again so great having you on the clean comedy time podcast where we talked about the good the bad and the funny thank you guys so much thank you brian thank you aaron this is awesome cool so glad to get to know you a little bit this is great thanks for listening to the clean comedy time podcast we bring comedians together performing their clean material at showcases fundraisers and other events our shows are free from course language and topics they work for anyone anywhere check out cleancomedytime.com to find an upcoming show or to bring clean comedy time to you 